This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes This down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. Oh. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he there ties the game. All right, what's happening, everybody? I am your host, RJ Carbone, and welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Episode 304 of the podcast. As I am recording, it is a Tuesday night, January 11th. And as you're listening to this, uh, this podcast episode should be out maybe the same night. Um, If not, if I get it up early morning on Wednesday, then I'll be that. But, um, hope everybody's doing well. Crazy news went down for uh, if you're an MMA fan. I want to get to that, but obviously this episode we're going to be talking Knicks. This is a Knicks-based episode. Um, but before we do get into the Knicks, and before we do start talking some MMA, maybe for a little bit, just make sure, guys, that if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, be sure to subscribe right now. Subscribe to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis on the many platforms we're on. You can find BD4 on um, on Facebook. Facebook. Well, I, I posted on there. Sorry. You can find the podcast BD4 on, on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> My mind's all jumbled up tonight. I'm still thinking about the big MMA news we got. So we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, yeah, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, SoundCloud, Anchor, Stitcher, you know, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. And make sure to subscribe to us on there, download the podcast and share it. But if you want to watch the podcast, the video format of this podcast will also be up on YouTube. Um, so we're on YouTube as well. So check us out there, subscribe, share like, comment, all the same stuff there, too. And, of course, I'm on social media. That's where I'm on Facebook, at RJ Carbone. And also Instagram, at Rob J. Carbone. So, <laughs> um, yeah, hope everybody is doing well. Dude, it was friggin' 18 degrees this morning. I feel like it's been going down ever since January began. It's colder than it was in December, dude. For a while, it was 50 degrees. Then it was 40s. Then it was the 30s. Now it's below 20. It is so cold out. I usually take a walk up to, to get my coffee in the morning. Up the road, just... But I don't even do that anymore because it's gotten to a point where it's below my, my comfort level. I don't mind the cold. But when it gets to 18, I, um, I'd i rather not 
take a walk up the street in that temperature. Jesus Christ. All right, let's head to our first plug. When we get back, we'll get this thing started. Stay with us. Hey, guys. So I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way we can help the channel grow and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So some crazy, crazy news in the MMA world, if, if you follow the UFC. We're getting it, man. We're finally going to get it. Um, it was announced earlier tonight, even, that um, we're all going to get the fight we've been waiting for. We're getting Chaos versus Game Bread. March 5th, it's, it's, it's going to be a five-round mega fight between Jorge and Kobe. In Las Vegas, it's going to headline the 272 card. This is going to be nuts. And actually, a couple episodes ago here on the podcast, we've discussed this. Um, It was Tanner, Anthony, and I talking about how we've been waiting for this fight. And this was the one I really, really wanted to see in 2022. And we were talking about it would have been cool to get them on the Ultimate Fighter. Right? Coaching on the the opposite teams. But um, whatever, man. We're getting this fight. We're getting this fight. It's going to be something else. Obviously, there's the big story behind it. Big story behind it. I mean, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but basically, you know, those two used to train together. They were best buds. And obviously, that that changed. And now they they hate each other. And um, we're getting it, man. We're getting this fight. So this is something I'm going to be excited for. It's only in March. I mean... March is a few months away. It's not even that far. January, February, March. See, I can do math. Um, so, a couple months from here, we're going to be getting that fight in, in in Sin City. So, that was awesome. I, you know, I found out by, um, I was looking on Instagram. I was I was watching one of, uh, it was Megan O'Leary's stories. She posted it from that, uh, who's that big journalist, the reporter in the UFC? Brett. Not even gonna attempt to uh, announce to, to pronounce his last name, but yeah, that's where I broke the news. Uh, that's where I saw the news break on Instagram, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's gonna be legit. That's a fight I'm excited for. So that's gonna be on the 272 card or 273, maybe 272. I'm all screwed up, but I'm pretty sure it's 272. Um, and, and is that the same card? If I'm if I'm correct, I think the same 272 card is the one where Volkanovski is on. Now, originally, Alexander Volkanovski was was going to go up against Max Holloway for the trilogy there, but obviously the injury with Max Holloway scratched that. But stepping in for Holloway, we found out is now the Korean Zombie. So. The Korean zombie steps up to fill that spot, and he's going to get Volkanovski. And on that same card, I believe, is Peter Yan versus uh, Peter Yan versus Aljo Sterling, the paper champ. 
So it's a packed first couple of months, man. Obviously, we got a lot before this, right? We're starting off with Francis Ngannou going up against Cyril Gaon. The heavyweight championship fight. Cyril Gaon, an excellent striker, very skilled, can move. Francis Ngannou, a very powerful punch. He's huge. So that's going to be a great one. The next pay-per-view card is Izzy and Whitaker. We all know Izzy's a fantastic freaking fighter. He's probably the best striker in the game. He's just electric to watch. Always puts on a show. And he's hilarious. <laughs> uh, but Whitaker too. You can't sleep on Robert Whitaker, man. You know, I mean, this is a guy who wins the belt versus Romero. Then he defends the belt against Romero. Then he loses it in that bout against Izzy. But since then, he's gotten back on track. He's won, I think, three fights in a row. And he's earned the right to go at it again. So he's going to get another bout here with Izzy. Um, Whitaker is now 12-1 and in his last 13 fights. Uh, and he's legit, man. He fights good competition, and he's he's a damn good fighter. So, you know, I, as great as Adesanya is, I don't think I'd be shocked if, if Whitaker wins. Just because he's, he's slept on. He's very good. Um, You know, I was reading some about um, Hamzat Shemaev. How he's... Listen, this guy's got a lot of hype right now, and it's uh, very understandable. You know, he's he's uh, he's a monster too. You're talking about beasts. This is somebody who's you know, he's violent. This kid wants war. You're talking about a guy who's ten and zero in MMA, four and zero in the UFC, and this is a guy who you know when he first arrived in the UFC, July 2020, he took two fights in ten days. And won them both. Now, obviously, next he has to fight some tough comp- shit, uh, comp- competition. I said competition. Uh, shit. I said comp- shit. Competition. Um, competition. You know, I'm thinking it's coming up for his next fight. I'm really thinking that they're setting him up to fight someone like Leon, maybe. Um, but maybe Gilbert Burns. Maybe Vincente. So, so say he gets one of those three, right? Um, and there are some other top names on that you can throw in there. But if he gets like a Burns and he wins that fight, okay, does he get the welterweight title shot next versus you know, Kamaru? I think he's deserving of it. If he can be, again, one of Burns or Leon Edwards or one of those guys, I think then... I think, you know, if he proves himself against a ranked fighter, a top-ranked fighter in one of those few guys, I think then you have to throw him in in a fight against Kamaru. <laughs> for the welterweight title shot, that's going to be a hell of a fight. Um, I don't know that anybody beats Kamaru. I really don't. I mean, you talk about legends of the game. Guys who don't get beaten. Uh, I think Kamaru is has become that guy. You know, I, it's really difficult to envision him 
losing to anybody. I think Colby Covington is, you know, I think they're going to get the trilogy eventually. Those two eventually they will. But I think uh, Kamaru, you talk about his toughest competition being Colby Covington, but even Colby couldn't beat him twice. But maybe I don't know. Maybe a, you know an upcoming prospect here and and, and Hamzat Jermayev can get there and then can take him. Who knows? So there's a lot going on in the UFC. Obviously, there's still the uh, we still have yet to to book this Dustin and Nate Diaz fight. Um, we're still trying to work it out. Hopefully, we can get it eventually. I'm expecting it. And then what's after that for Nate? Uh, you know, last fight on his contract, does he go to boxing and does he fight Jake Paul? <sighs> what's after that for Dustin? You know, if Dustin loses that, and again, this is based on if this is if it happens, if Dustin ends up losing that, dude, it don't look good for Dustin. You know, he's going to have to do some thinking. He was already questionable about his future and his presser when he lost to... um. To do Bronx, but yeah, we'll see. There's a lot. See, like I said, I've been saying there's a lot of storylines to follow coming up. This is just like not even one percent of what we're gonna see in the UFC this year. This is just a small fraction of what I just talked about. So we're expected to get a lot, and I think it's gonna. I think the UFC is gonna live up to it. I really do. So I'm excited, man. I'm very excited for the UFC this year. Um, obviously, they return this weekend, so a few days, we get our first card of the year. Um, it's going to be a fight card. Shikatse is going to, uh, going up against Calvin Cater. Shikatse is another one who's dangerous, and I'm excited to watch him fight. So, it's going to be a hell of a year. It's going to be a hell of a start to the year. Um, so, we'll, we'll see where things go. Let's head to our second break, and we'll get right into this next game. And talk about the Knicks midterm report too. We'll grade the players. Because we're at that 41 game mark. And that'll be that. Stay with us. So if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is R.J. Carbone. Instagram, at Rob J. Carbone. So, the Knicks took on the Spurs last night at Madison Square Garden. Now, this was during the college football game at the same time. So, I have this Knicks game up on my surface while watching the uh, the bowl game, the, the national championship game on the, uh, the big screen. And that was a good game too, by the way. Georgia ended up pulling away. Their defense was outstanding. Um, you know, they made an impact right from the gun. But it was a good game. Bama took the loss. Georgia won it. Um, I'm happy. I'm very happy for Georgia. It's been a while since they won a Nat champ, and and you know I've also got some family in Georgia, so I was pulling for that man. 
Um, although my wallet was pulling for Alabama, I must say. And uh, I lost some there. But um, <laughs> at the same time, yeah, the Knicks were playing the Spurs, and the Knicks ended up pulling away against the Spurs with a 111-96 to victory. Um, yeah, you know, this this was a good game for the Knicks. Um, it was even to start the game. Both sides were kind of just, you know, going back and forth a bit. Um, there were some first quarter troubles for the Knicks in terms of turnovers. San Antonio turned it over too, but the Knicks, you know, you had a few early on from Julius. Um, he had a few later on the period from Emmanuel quickly. Um, but Fournier had eight points in the first to keep the Knicks uh, keep the Knicks competitive, um, and they were down twenty six twenty three to the Spurs after the first period. Second quarter comes and the Knicks slowly start to put it together. Better defense, um, some crisp and fast ball movement. R.J. Barrett gets hot to wrap up the half. You know he has fourteen points by halftime. He had that windmill dunk, which electrified the garden. Um, and he, you know, he scores eight points in a row to finish the half. Knicks are up at halftime. I think everybody was on the board for the Knicks who played by halftime. Um, and for San Antonio, you had Murray leading with 16. Uh, but you know, the second half comes when they really start to pull away. RJ was huge in the second half. Uh, finishing with 31, which we'll touch on. Scoring, he was playmaking. Uh, the Knicks overall got great all-around efforts. Fournier was solid with 18 points. Emmanuel quickly was great off the bench with 12 points, 6 assists. Mitchell Robinson blocking, rebounding, scoring a little bit with 13 points, 11 boards, 4 blocks. Um, and the Knicks won. It was their fourth straight home win. So that's nice, I guess, and and they did so by shooting efficiently from the field, forty nine percent on field goals, forty one from downtown, and seventy five percent at the line. And they also had seven steals and nine blocks. Um, but yeah, like like I said, R.J. Barrett was fantastic. He scores thirty one points, does so on twelve for twenty, which is sixty percent shooting. He was hitting his. Uh, he had four assists as well. But what I liked, what I thought was great, was was RJ was mixing it up again. And usually, when you see RJ Barrett have these great performances, it's because he's mixing it up and being more versatile. That's usually you know you look back at all his good games. If you watch the highlights, he's scoring. You know he'll have the three ball working, which he did last night. Um, he was in his mid range bag. His pull up mid range was working. And he was finishing well, so he's, he he was three level scoring last night. That's usually when he's at his best, when he's mixing it up and not just being predictable, going left, right? Um, yeah, his playmaking was solid too, especially with Randall struggling. RJ took the ball, and he was you know Tibbs went to RJ to initiate to initiate the offense early to mid third quarter, and he had some nice assists in there once they started sending some doubles at him. Um, and he played decent defense, too, especially in the second half. So I thought Barrett was fantastic. 31 points. It's good to see him play better of late, man. He's been playing really well, you know, dating back to, uh, you know, when Julius was down on protocol. That's when real, that's really when RJ started to step it up. Uh, speaking of Julius, 
I guess we'll get this out of the way. In the win last night, he goes and scores two points. And he scores two points in 34 minutes. He was one for seven from the field. He had three turnovers um, and 12 rebounds. Now, this one made me chuckle. (laughs) It did, because, you know, any other human being scores two points, star player or not, leader or not, they get criticized for scoring two points, right? Because they scored two points. And Randall did, rightly so. There was criticism. But there's also his insufferable crowd of of 18-year-old minions, right? The, oh, but he played well, though, crowd. He screened well. He grabbed rebounds, and he was a plus 16. I, I mean, I've never heard so many excuses for a, a good NBA player in my entire life. And there are some really bad fangirl crowds, right? There are some really bad crowds. You know, you look at certain superstar players and they have insufferable fangirls. But, I mean, with Julius, maybe it's just because I'm a Knicks fan and I'm around it more on social media. It's bad. You know, if you don't criticize him a lot, you are up his ass. I mean, first off, the the whole plus-minus thing, and I say this all the time, it isn't a stat that you can just look at alone. With plus-minus, you also have to take into account the eye test. You know, to get a real true testament of it. I always say that. Never look at plus-minus without watching a game. Because sometimes plus-minus doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, Sometimes it does. You watch the game. He was disengaged for moments in this game. And his screening was pretty lazy at times to me. And he was, he, he again, he scored two points. He scored two points in a basketball game. Julius Randle, their star player, their number one option, scored two points. I don't care how many rebounds you have. I don't care what your plus minus says. You score two points. You're not getting praise from me. Anybody is. Anybody does. They're not getting praised. I don't care who you are. He scored two points. And is 7 for 26 for 15 points since the whole thumbs down fiasco a few nights ago. Which, by the way, yeah, they booed his bum ass again last night. And that same insufferable crowd of minions, I mentioned, is offended that he got jeered again in a blowout win. Right? Well, Knicks fans are losers because they're booing him in a blowout. I mean, as if a blowout win, as if that win is coming in the midst of an outstanding season. No, we're fighting tooth and nail. This team is 20-21, and 21, barely hanging on to a playing seat at the moment. Stop acting as if this team is playing well and on their way to the playoffs surefire. No, the reason we're fighting tooth and nail here is because of Julius mainly. Because of his underperformance. 
his lazy efforts. So it's simple logic, folks. If you perform like dog water all season long, I'll give you 75%, okay? I'll be nice and hand you the other 25%. If you perform like dog water for 75% of the season, expect to be held accountable at some point. And Tibbs hasn't been holding him accountable, so the fans will do the job for him. They'll make it easier. We'd be glad to hold you accountable and boo you. But hey, I gotta give credit to Tibbs, because he even did. Towards the end of this game, Julius was benched in the fourth quarter. Obi and Knox even took the floor later. You know, and you get after the game, after this one, Julius sulking at the end of the bench while his team is in the victory huddle off the bench. They're all up on their feet. I I just say get him out. You know, he obviously doesn't seem to to want to be in this city. It seems like that. Maybe it's just the rut he's going through. But if if, if you know if he doesn't want to be in the city, it doesn't seem like the city wants him. Maybe it's best we best that we part ways eventually. Maybe it's going to be better for his mental health. Better for the Knicks and their fans. Um, you know, some players just don't have the mentality for the big New York City. Some players don't have that mental toughness. Which is why I can't believe, I cannot believe that people still want Ben Simmons here and his mental problems that he's dealing with right now. I mean, if we're on the verge of pushing Randall out, and maybe we're not, but if we're, you know, if we're causing him, he's clearly disgruntled right now and he's clearly, clearly not in a good mindset because of this whole thing. I mean, Ben Simmons is, is going to be 10 times worse. But, but, you know, I'm hoping... I really am, because I don't think the Knicks are going to trade Randall um, willingly, just themselves doing it, because they just handed him the extension, which hasn't even kicked in yet. But hopefully, you know, if he could find a way to force it, hopefully Randall forces his way out. I'm sorry, I'm just not a fan of the guy. Will that create a media shitstorm? Yeah. I mean, look already, the media is going to media, who cares? Let them ride their pity narrative like they did for Fizdale, like they did for Porzingis, the whole, the whole uh, LOL Knicks BS. Let them do that. Because it means zilch in the end. The guy has been horrendous all season long. Sorry, 75% of the season. It, it doesn't see, this seems like it's going to get worse for a bit. And again, maybe it, maybe it smoothens out. But the only way that can happen is if Julius gets his shit together and steps up and starts diving for loose balls and starts playing hard defense and starts moving without the basketball on the offensive side and starts playing better. That's the only way this improves is if Julius plays good. Because New York doesn't boo you if you play well. New York's going to cheer you. Do you not remember 2020-2021? Julius was a fan favorite because, well, I won't go that far, but you know, they were cheering MVP for the guy every time he stepped to the foul line because he played hard and he played really good. But he's not doing that this year. He's not playing as hard. He's not playing very efficiently. So he's being held accountable for that by the fans. Rightly so. And that's how it works. Because we're not cheerleaders. We're fans. There is a difference. 18 year old minions. Alright. 
It's now been 23% of Julius Randle's games this season. Just 23% of his games this year. He shot 50% or better. Last season, after all 71 games concluded, that was at 44%. So he's going to have to do a whole lot of great shooting to get that percent up. But yeah, that's my take on Julius and this whole thing. I hate that I have to keep mentioning mentioning this this thumbs down fiasco because I want to put it in the past, but I, I just can't keep my mouth shut about it because I just I, I think I, I think if you're in that boat where you're for Julius, you're just way too up his ass. It's some of these. It's insane. I gotta get off Instagram sometimes. Oh my god. Um. Talked RJ, just talked Julius. Let's get into to a few others. Uh, but first, let's hit a break. Stay with us. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcast. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Um, also last night, in the starting lineup, uh, Alec Burks got, got the point guard start. He actually played well. He's usually pretty garbage at point guard. You know, I'm not going to lie. But um, in this one, at least for one game here. He played well at starting point guard. He scores 16 points. 5 for 10 field goals. 3 for 6 on threes. And he was 3 for 3 at the line. Had 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals. Got off to a slow start, but finished up pretty nicely. Played well. He spent a lot of the game, actually. You know, I know he started at lead guard... But he spent a, a good portion of his game actually off the ball, playing as an off guard. Obviously with R.J. Barrett leading the way um, on the first unit and, and quickly kind of orchestrating things in that second unit, Burks was, was really relegated to his natural spot you know, as an off-the-ball wing. Um, and, and I prefer that, right? Because when he's on the ball, it's, he's, not, he's not quick enough to be a point guard. A true point guard, you know, he's he's a bit slow to initiate to initiate the offense into sets, and um, not always the you know, greatest creator off the bounce. So I, I do prefer him off the ball, but he played well. He played well overall. It was a good night for Burks. Um, it was also a pretty solid night for Fournier. Fournier comes back. You know, he has the big Boston game that he gets served the second time we play Boston um, in a row, and then he comes back tonight, or last night, rather, with 18 points, shoots 4 for 7 from 3, and he grabbed 5 rebounds in 22 minutes. 
got off to a very hot start in the first quarter with eight points. Then he slowed down the second quarter big time. But out of the gate in the third quarter, he gets real hot again. Hits a pair of three-pointers. Um, and he was getting to the free-throw line some. He also rebounded well, defended well again, but it was good to see him play well offensively, of course. he's Lately, he's been finding you know, open windows to attack, and he's been knocking down those catch-and-shoot jumpers or those jumpers coming off the screens. I only played 22 minutes because the ankle started barking up again, which has been bothering him of late. But a good night, 18 points for Evan. To round out the starting lineup, uh, Mitchell Robinson at the 5. He played good too, man. 13 points on 4 for 4. Yeah, 11 rebounds and 4 blocks. I thought he did well. He controlled the paint all night long. You know, put uh, put back slams on offense. He grabbed some defensive rebounds in this game. He was drawing contact and getting to the line. He was good. Rolling. He's just got to hit those free throws. He got he gets fouled a lot on the roll, but when he gets to the line, he's a pretty egregious free throw shooter, man. He was 5 for 9 in this one. Remember when everyone thought that he had shooting potential a few years back? Yeah. They liked his free throw form. They thought he'd, you know, be a good free throw shooter. That hasn't happened. And then we saw the vids of him shooting threes in the gym. That hasn't happened. He hasn't even developed a mid-range or post-game. He is who he is. You know, I think you just have to expect to Mitch, Mitch to be this defensive-minded rim roller, rim runner type. But, um, you know, I just thought that was fine. I was thinking that last night when I was watching him miss free throws. I was just thinking, who in the right mind actually thought this guy was going to develop a jumper? But he played well. He played good. He played very sharp. Um... Two-way basketball last night. Actually, I thought, you know, he could have gotten even more touches, but remember, four field goals, yeah, but he also had nine free throws. Going to the bench, um, I thought Emmanuel quickly was the best one off the bench last night. So, we'll, we'll, you know, 12 points, uh, six assists, four boards, and a block. Honestly, I think the only reason quickly is playing point guard off the bench and not as a starter is because the Knicks want the bench to have that firepower still, right? He's the catalyst off that bench that brings that momentum. But I mean, in my opinion, until Kemba or D-Rose return, I think quickly should still be the starting point guard. I think you put Burks off the bench and you still get some scoring punch. You know, it could be his natural, at his natural spot, Burks can. I know quickly... A lot of people don't consider him a true point guard, which I don't think he is. But he's a combo guard. He, he can play it. And he's and he's developed a little bit more playmaking from last season to this one. He's the only guard who really hasn't gotten a true look at, at starting lead guard yet. So I'd consider it. But he played well. You know, he was... He's very elusive and crafty as a ball handler, so... It creates a ton of gravity and opens up a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, playmaking opportunities for him too. You know, as the defenses are thrown off balance, he he's very good at throwing up lobs to Obi and, and to Mitch. 
you know, on cuts from the short corner or on pick and roll. And his defense continues to impress me. While I was watching him play defense, really locked in, focused on him um, on a lot of possessions in that second half, and I thought he played really good defense, especially at the point of attack. But he was good. You know, his ball denial was great, but like I said, he was also excellent um, on the ball as well. So he's been playing pretty solid basketball of late too. But yeah, overall, man, it was a good win. Um, Not much complaining for me in this one. It's good to beat a team we're supposed to beat, right? I I thought, you know, the one one complaint, I guess, is you... You played uh, two spot. I think I'm gonna call, start calling Julius two spot. From now on, you played them for 34 minutes, despite two points. And Obi Toppin was limited to single digit minutes, I believe. Uh, despite you know, despite playing pretty okay to me, Obi did. But overall, I like that the Knicks played well. They played fast. They moved the ball. They moved without the ball, and Tibbs let the young guards run the offense. So let's head to break. Um, we have some grades to hand out. We're briefly got, we're, we're briefly going to run through these ones. I don't really feel like going too deep into depth just because I'm um, I don't have the energy for that tonight. Um, we'll just read through the grades, maybe say a thing or two, and then we'll we'll get to some trade deadline talk, and then from there we'll get to the question of the day and we'll wrap it up. But first, let's head to a break and uh, stay with us. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode, but first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount, $7.99 a month, to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomberbacher blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 
6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomber Bocker blog. And there you have it. So, like I said, I do want to run through this real briefly, um, just because I don't have the energy to, to go into deep discussions and dive into tonight. Um, but here you can see on the screen, if you're watching the podcast, I've got the grades up for you. Um, but if you're listening to the podcast, I can just read them off for you real quick. Um, so, we'll start with the, the guy's... In the starting lineup, um, the first grade I handed out being Kemba Walker. Now, he hasn't really played much since we last gave out a grade, which was the quarter, you know, the, the first trimester. Like the, as of the quarterly mark. But um, I gave him a C- just because, you know, he's struggling to stay healthy. Um, his defense has obviously been a big weakness. Um, he's very small to get around the screen, and um, he's not really closing out hard, and he's getting screwed up on his rotations. And offensively, he can't really break down a defender like he used to. Um, it's a lot of settling for the jumper. So he, he gets a C-. minus. Kemba Walker does. You know, it's been a very poor season for him, very, uh, you know... I mean, you paid him $8 million. Can't expect too much. Uh, also getting a C-minus is Fournier. Now, I know Fournier has been better of late, but you look at his season overall, he's also been very, very disappointing. And also consider the fact that he's being paid, I think it's, what, $17 million a year for, for three or four years. So, there's that. And, and remember, guys, these grades are not all on the same scale. You know, these are based off of these players' own expectation. So if you see one guy with a higher grade, like like Taj Gibson, you know, here I have him graded better than Julius. I don't mean that Taj is a better player than Randall. There's no way in hell. But I mean that Taj is playing up to his par more than Julius is. So keep that in mind. That's just the way I grade. Um, you like it? Oh, well. Oh, you like it or you dislike it. If you dislike it, oh well. R.J. Barrett, I gave him a C. Um, we, we've talked a lot on R.J. It's been an up and down year for him. Hasn't exactly taken the, the, the right step in the... Hasn't taken the next step, you know, in, in his career path. Not the one we hoped for. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been playing better lately. That's good, but overall this season, the numbers are down in a lot of areas. Um, you can, you can look up the stats yourself, but, you know, I think he's around 15 points, uh, field goal percentage isn't too high, like 41%, the three ball after last night, it's up to almost 35%, but you know, it's the shooting inconsistencies. It's, you know, the lack of having a bag, which makes it hard for Barrett to really score efficiently on a night to night basis, right? We mentioned how he goes to his left so often, but now defenses are starting to realize that, and now he doesn't really have any consistency elsewhere, 
right? So that's been trouble. And his defense has been very inconsistent, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he gets caught ball watching sometimes. And um, on the ball, he's been pretty okay. But he's not as great of a defender as we'd hoped uh, in year three. So R.J. Barrett, for me, um, deserves a C. You could you could make a case C+. I would understand that. Julius Randle, I gave him a C. Um, you actually, you know, he's fortunate it's not worse because I believe I gave him a C- in the first quarterly report. We've said, you know, so much on Julius already. He's just not being as efficient. I'm going to try to, to, to put this into as little of a summary as I can. He's not as efficient offensively. He's not making reads as quick as he was last season. You know, when defenses send the double, he's turning it over. He's dribbling into into a turnover. And, you know, it's a lot of taking those same tough shots, but they're just not falling this year. And he refuses to, to try and, you know, become more efficient and say, hey, maybe I should take it to the rack more. And then on the defensive end of the floor, he's been pretty bad, to be honest with you. His help defense is not there. You know, he skips a lot of defensive rotations. He's not closing out as hard. And it's just a lot of standing around. And, you know, when when he's not involved in an offensive possession, it's the same thing. He's standing around. He's not screening hard. His screens are very lazy to me. They're more like slips. Um, and it's just he doesn't run on the break. You watch him a lot, man. His body language on and on the bench, too, not just on the court. It really rubs a lot of Knicks fans the wrong way, and you wonder why he gets these boosts, but we, we've we've talked that already. So he gets a C, and honestly, that's very optimistic for me. I'm in a good mood tonight. Robinson, uh, to round out the starting five, gets a C+. Yeah, I, I feel like he's been, been pretty whatever for most of the year. Now, again, like RJ, he's been playing a lot better in recent weeks. Mitch has. He seems to have gotten his wind back. But it's it's more the same for me. You know, he's kind of like... I joked because I had Twitter last year. And somebody called him the Frank Neal Aquina at center. You know, Frank Neal Aquina at center. And I got pissed off by it. But maybe I got so pissed because I knew it was true and didn't want to admit it. <laughs> but it's a lot of defense and very little offense. And it continues to be like that. And that's who he's going to be. You know, he's probably not going to develop much of an offensive package. Um, he's a rim roller. He's a, he's a roll man. And, you know, if he's not lobbing one down and pick and roll or cutting from the short corner, then he's probably not going to score much. Or, or cleaning up on the offensive glass, of course, too. That's that's where he thrives, really. He's not going to give you much offensive production. You know, I, I do think he should be featured more in, in more pick and roll with RJ and, and quickly and Derrick Rose when he's healthy, and Kemba. You know, I always thought we should get him involved more, but at the same time, with such an unlimited offensive, with such a limited offensive package, it's hard to really give him much higher of a grid as good as his defense has been. And his defense has taken a step back um, this year. You know, his perimeter defense is not as great because of these conditioning problems since he gained weight. Um, which he initially thought was going to be a good thing, 
you know, he's he's kind of had trouble with that drop coverage. But again, in recent weeks, he's, he's done a little bit better. He's gotten that conditioning to to a pretty good pace. But overall, C plus. I thought he's been pretty meh with some good moments. Manuel quickly also gave him a C plus. He's struggling with his consistency. I thought he'd take a better step. Now him too has also played better. But overall in the year, I give him a C plus. The defense looks improved. The playmaking looks a bit better. Um, the floater looks a bit more composed. Um, the three point shot, the shot selection is still very, very erratic. You know, and that's what causes him to have these inconsistent stretches. So, I give quickly a C plus. I think he's a good player. But he's got to grow in a lot of areas first. He's got to develop a mid-range shot. You know? He's got to be better with his shot selection. Is his decision-making. Uh, Grimes. Quinton Grimes, I gave a B-. minus. You know, I think Grimes has played very well since, since getting some minutes. A few weeks back, he really started getting some regular minutes. Um, he's got a really good, clean-looking three-point shot. High-end, quick release. Going to have to work on some dribbling skills, you know, to, to, to be able to create his own shot when these point guards that he usually plays with are sitting, like Kemba, like Rose. But, you know, what I really like from Grimes is the defensive thing. He is a defensive guru or at least he has the potential to develop into one he's up in their grill constantly his ball denial is great but you know his help defense his his uh, on ball defense he's a pest that's probably the best term he's a pest remember Pablo Prigioni he's very much like that he gives you problems um who else do we have off the bench. Um, we talked IQ. We talked Grimes. Uh, Alec Burks at the wing. Yeah, I give Burks a B minus. I think Burks has been very sharp. You know, I think he has uh, played good. Has had some rough moments, stretches, but overall, Burks has played good. He's been their utility man, right? He does whatever the Knicks ask of him, and he usually does it pretty well. Good offense. He's their fourth quarter shooter. And he plays pretty credible defense. Obi Toppin. I gave him a B. That's actually the highest grade on the team. Um, You know, he's been not the same lately. But he's been good this year. A big improvement from last season. Uh, It's still the defense and the shooting that need work. But lately I like his ball handling. And all season long, he's been doing an excellent job in the open court, which was what he did at Dayton time and time again. He's a great cutter off the ball. He is constantly in some kind of action or motion and good in the short roll, uh, in the short corner, cutting from the baseline. He's excellent there. He's very good, very active. He doesn't need the ball in his hand to, to thrive. But work on that you know, that stretch floor potential. Definitely needs work there um, as a shooter. And the defense, you know, 
Never going to be great with Obi, but it's improved, but it does need a lot of work. And then to round out the, the, the rotation here, I've got Taj Gibson. Now, there are some other players that didn't include, McBride, Noel, just because they haven't played enough games, really. But um, Taj, I gave a B-. I, I think Taj, much like Burks, but to a lesser extent, is like a glue piece, right? He does a little bit of everything. Does the intangibles, the offensive rebounding, the um, screening, the diving for loose balls, you know, defensive uh, play, you know, occasional mid-range shooting, occasional three-point shooting now. Taj is a pretty solid, old, reliable. So he gets a B-. minus. Not great, but is decent at whatever he's asked to do as a five. And so that's your that's your uh, midway report, midway progress report for the Knicks. Now as a team, I actually should have put it there on the screen if you're watching the podcast. I've got the grades down for the players, but I forgot to put it down for the team. I, I'd probably give this Knicks team 20 and 21 they are in the year. They're what, the 10 seed? Compared to what they were supposed to be this year after last season, I would probably give them a C, C minus, maybe a C minus. Just because they're not playing the way you know folks expected them to. We got a little bit of ahead a little bit ahead of ourselves. So we'll we'll, we'll go. I'm gonna be kind, because I'm in a good mood tonight, right? So I'm gonna give them a C. <laughs> I'm gonna give them a C. I, I've been thinking, you know, they played very bleh because technically they're at the same record as they were last year but this team doesn't have that same feel their star player isn't performing as great their defense is not there um and they can only beat the bad teams it just doesn't have that same type of energy. they're struggling at home there's a lot of indicators that this team isn't exactly gonna be that team of last year and I think anybody with a brain who watches this team on a nightly basis and doesn't lie to themselves will be able to admit that to you. So they get a C. Now I want to talk about you know some 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 rumors. Uh, there's a recent rumor um, of a player who's potentially going to get traded, and we'll get to that. We will get to that after this quick quick break. Stay with us. All right, so I was, um, make sure we're good. I was, um, doing some, some, some Google earlier today and I saw a Jeremy Grant rumor, or this was yesterday. I was doing some Google and saw the Jeremy Grant rumor. Um, I, you know, it was saying how Utah's interested Washington is interested, Portland is, uh, the Lakers are interested, Sacramento, uh, but also 
The Knicks are now interested in the 27-year-old Jeremy Grant. He's making a $20 million salary right now for the next two years. But he is um, due for... He's eligible for an expensive payday this summer, which is why the Pistons, probably why they are looking to move him. Uh, He's eligible for a pretty hefty payday. It's $112 million four-year extension that he's eligible to to receive. That's $28 million a season. And so the Knicks, you know, with Fournier having a disappointing year and the inconsistencies from R.J. Barrett, they need some wing help, right? They definitely need some wing help, and I think Jeremy Grant could definitely fill that void. He can score. He can stretch to the floor a little bit. Uh, he can hit a mid-range jumper. He's an okay finisher. I obviously don't watch a ton of the Pistons. My buddy Tanner does. He watches the Pistons as a fan of them, so maybe I should get him on uh, again and we could talk some of that, but... Yeah, from what I know, I mean, he, he's he's their first option, right? He, he can be a first option, but he can also be used. And in this case, I'm expecting the Knicks to, to if they do trade for him, to use him as a number two, you know, to complement Randall, which would be the ideal situation for this trade. Right, the Pistons, we wouldn't be trading Randall. They wouldn't take Randall's contract, who, you know, it's a lot larger than, than Grant's contract, and even larger than what Grant is expected to get if he asks for the max. And it hasn't even started yet for Randall. So they're not going to, you know, get rid of Grant because they're trying to get rid of, you know, avoiding to pay him. They're trying to avoid, they're trying to avoid paying him. So they're not going to get Randall because that completely defeats the purpose. So I'm thinking the Knicks, from what I'm reading about and what I saw and heard, the Pistons are asking for two first-round picks. It was two first-round picks and a young player. Or, yeah, it was two first-round picks or one first-round pick and a good young player. So that's the cost Detroit's looking for. I'm thinking Obi Toppin will probably be the centerpiece if something like this were to go down and then maybe throw in... Emmanuel quickly, and then the picks. You know, I'm thinking that's something along the lines like that, of that. Um, I'm not exactly sure I would do that. I don't think I would. That's a heavy price to pay, because these are two players who actually have been playing positive ball for the Knicks. Big part of the reason why they are even in this. But I will say, if they do trade for him, he makes them better today than they were yesterday. Right? Because you are losing IQ and Obi. I don't know. It depends who they trade, right? I really, you know, if Obi's involved, I don't want IQ involved. There's no way I want to trade both of them for Jeremy Grant. Um, but if they get him, you know, it's, it's, it's point guard by committee right now, but say Kemba comes back, it's Kemba. RJ would move back to his natural spot at the two. You've got Grant possibly at the wing at the three. And then Randall and Mitch up front. Um, this is a kid who scores 20 points a night. Gets five rebounds, three assists. Uh, he's 41% on field goals, 33 from three on 5.3 attempts. And he plays decent defense. Can guard from the three all the way up to the five. Um, But yeah, I think if we get him, 
it's going to depend on his shooting to make it work. Because you look at the personnel we have, we got Julius as a driver. Noel and Mitch are, are spending a lot of time in the restricted area. So the paint's already pretty packed. And adding Jeremy in there with his cutting and his driving, it's going to make it even more crowded, especially, you know, it'll especially cause spacing issues if that three ball is not working. So he's got to come here and stretch the floor. He's got to be better than 33%. So I'm not sure I would give away that much for Grant. I like him. I think he's a good player. But again, with everything, it comes down to price. You know, it's worth a thought for sure. Definitely worth a thought. But speaking of stretching the floor, and, you know, we've got, uh, we, we we talked about this, so I don't really want to go deep into it. But, you know, the Miles Turner thing. You know, I've made it known for a while. I'm all for this. I, I just think Indiana's going to ask for the Kings' ransom. You know, and I don't know if the Knicks will be down for a bidding war like that. Because there are a lot of buyers out there right now, more than sellers. And I don't know that the Knicks will be ready for a bidding war. And, and nor, you know, I don't think I'd be ready for it. I don't think I want to get into a bidding war for Turner. We have, we'd have to give up a lot, dude. So, those are just some rumors we heard. Um, and that's it. We're going to head to break. When we get back, we'll finish with the NYY NYK question of the day. Stay with us. All right. So, Let's get to this episode's NYY NYK question of the day, and we'll wrap it up from here. So, for episode 304, our NYY NYK question of the day is another true or false. Another true or false for you. We got true or false. Mitchell Robinson is listed as the exact same height and weight Patrick Ewing was. True or false. Mitchell Robinson is listed as the exact same height and weight Patrick Ewing was. So let me know the answer to this one. Uh, in my DMs or in the comments section on Facebook or Instagram once I publish one of the little promo clips to this podcast episode. And I'll give you a shout-out. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And uh, I'll see you after the next one. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.